Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But this marriage supper of the Lamb takes place after the second coming of Christ when at some point after the second coming, when all the battle is done at some point, we believe that there'll be this marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, could it be in heaven? We can't be too dogmatic about this. It could be, but it could be on earth as well. We really can't say, but it doesn't really matter because guess what? It's going to happen. We are so thankful that you could join us today on Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob finalizes this part of chapter 19 in the book of Revelation with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Our scripture says, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed indeed. Jesus himself eagerly anticipated this marriage supper. He spoke longingly of the day when he will drink of the fruit of the vine again with his disciples in the kingdom. Those who repent of their sins, ask Jesus for forgiveness, and accept him as their Lord and Savior on this earth will be at the Supper of the Lamb at the end. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. 25, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse. There's our job, guys, to sanctify and cleanse our wives with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be, that she should be holy and without blemish. Is Jesus making us holy and without blemish? In fact, he has. By the blood of Christ, you have been made righteous in his sight. As Isaiah said, the very blood of Christ covers us, and we will be made white as snow. I like that. I love the the, the thought of that. It almost seems like a paradox, because blood stains everything, doesn't it? But the blood of Christ is so pure, there's nothing wrong at all. It's, It's holy, it's pure. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Notice that. That's wonderful. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And I love what he finishes up here. And he says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Those things are true of what a husband's role is with his wife. But he's speaking of Christ in the church. He has cleansed us. He has washed us. Soon he's going to come for us. Just as he promised. Has he ever lied to you? Didn't he say that 
I will come again to you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I, in my Father's house there are many mansions, or many dwellings. If it were not so, I would have told you. I will come again to you, that where I am, you may also be. <clears throat> Back in our text, and so it says, And to her it was granted, to the church it was granted, to be arrayed in fine linen, notice, clean and bright, Guys, isn't that great? You don't have to worry about your uh, stained t-shirts. You're going to have clean linen, clean and bright, and probably pressed. And you're going to look dazzling. All of you. All of us. In fact, when we're together, we're probably going to be so bright, it's going to be blinding to the eye. For God to put us all together and say, my beautiful, glorious church. And we get together, and he's just like, you're so radiant, I can hardly look at you. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Later on in this chapter, next week we'll look at um, when we return with Christ. Notice in verse 14, it says, The armies of heaven clothed in what? Fine linen, white and clean. There it is again. So the church is given white and clean garments, and guess what? We're coming back with him. There it is, right there. We, we know that that's us. And we'll follow him on white horses. You can laugh at that if you want. Oh, give me a break, really? White horses? Oh, you better believe it, white horses. I hope they're all stallions, too. Don't get me going. I've already, died. I've already went off on a, <clears throat> a monologue on that one before. So, but any righteousness that we have, notice the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints, and our righteousness that we have has been given to us, it's been imputed to us because of the righteousness of Christ. It's not something that comes from within ourselves. David talks about his righteousness, but he knew very well that his righteousness came from God. It wasn't something that came from within him, and the same is true for us. Apart from Christ, I am nothing. I am just an accident waiting to happen. But with Christ, because his spirit is in me and in you, he cares about you. Oh, better believe it. He loves you with all of his heart. He's looking forward to it more than you are to see him. He's looking forward to it. Can you imagine the smile on his face when he sees the expression on our faces? When it finally all comes to pass. And folks, I believe that time is coming sooner than ever before. He's going to look at us, and we're going to see him. He's going to be blown away, and we're going to be blown away. Verse 8, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in uh, fine linen, and the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Because after the rapture we appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Remember, and again, this is not a judgment of whether you go to heaven or hell. This is a judgment of what you've done since you become a Christian. What you've done in this body as a Christian, now that you've received Christ, there is a time of reckoning for that. It's, not a, uh, it's a rewards or lack of rewards. It's not going to be, salvation is already done with, you're there. But now it's going to be, okay, now let's break this down a little bit. What I've done in your heart, what have you done with it? And all your works are going to be laid out. And what does it say? In Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or, 
straw. Each one's work will, will become clear. For the day, this day, this judgment, this Bema seat, this judgment seat of Christ, of believers, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If any man's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as by fire. Do you hear what I'm, hear what he's saying there? There's going to be rewards. There's also going to be a lack of rewards. I think it's going to be a big deal when this happens. You may think, well, as long as I'm there and I'm, I'm in heaven, I don't care what happens. But I think when you get there, your attitude will change. Because there will be those who are going to be rewarded. There may be some that are going to be rewarded for many things. And you're going to be looking at that. And don't tell me about the, you know, the verses about there'll be no sorrow. I, I, I get that, but this is what, this is what the Bible says, right? We're still going to be blessed. We're going to be, we're going to be there. But don't you want as many rewards? Don't you want your life on this earth now to mean something and to be rewarded for what God has done through, in and through you? As opposed to being a Chino, Christian in, church, in name only, getting in there by the skin of my teeth and realizing that I've got nothing. All my works are burned, yet I'm there. Praise, praise God, hallelujah. But I think it's going to be a bigger deal then. Because we're going to realize what I've done. And I'm like, you know what, Lord? You did all this work in me. It's so important that I be an ambassador for you. I want to live for you. I want to be mindful of what I'm doing right now. And how I'm living my life, the things that I'm filling in my life, the things that I'm doing, the actions, the thoughts, the deeds, all these things are so important. What are you doing? What am I doing? It's a good thing to ask yourself. And again, no condemnation because if you're a born-again believer, you're going to heaven. But don't you want those rewards? Don't you want to take those crowns that he's going to give you and I? Don't you want to be able to take them back and throw them at his feet? Notice verse 9, then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. It would appear that the wedding takes place in heaven, but this marriage supper of the Lamb takes place after the second coming of Christ, when at some point after the second coming, when all the battle is done, at some point we believe that there will be this marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, could it be in heaven? We can't be too dogmatic about this. It could be, but it could be on earth as well. We really can't say, but it doesn't really matter because guess what? It's going to happen, and you're going to be there, and I'm going to be there, and let me tell you, I'm going to take the spoon, and I'm going to stick it on my nose. Have you seen that? Sorry, I just have to introduce a little levity here because it's kind of heavy, and... And I'll be the dunce, you know, over there at the end of the table. And the Lord will look at me going, uh, Mr. Kellogg. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. You know what? You knew I was going to do that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you can't fool me. Perhaps at this wedding, marriage supper of the Lamb, perhaps, perhaps it'll be at this time. Zephaniah records something really wonderful and and. And again, there's more than likely more than one fulfillment of this passage because it's really talking about Zion, about Israel. But I almost wonder if in the marriage supper of the Lamb, in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love, and He will rejoice over you with singing. 
Can you imagine the voice of God, the voice of Jesus Christ? Pavarotti, Botticelli, or whatever that guy's name is, whoever it is. I think Botticelli was an artist, but you know who I'm talking about. The, the most famous singers. And yet here's the one with the perfect voice. He will sing over you, Christian. He'll sing over you, church. What will he sing? Weddings in the first century were normally included three stages. The first stage was the legal consummation of the marriage by the parents of the bride and the groom. They would make a a legal binding thing. It would be like a a prearranged marriage. There'd be a contract written. And from that point on, the two individuals would be legally married, but they wouldn't consummate it. Usually that happened a year prior to them actually getting married and consummating the marriage. They would have the contract, and then they would live a year, um, and it would be a test for both of them, these young people. We saw Mary and Joseph... They were in that period when Mary was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's why it was such a, you know, page one on the National Enquirer, right? That's why it was such a travesty. It's why it was such a tragedy. But then, after that one-year marriage, then comes when the bridegroom comes to claim his bride. And we're going to see that in the rapture. The contract has already been made between us and the Lord. And just like that Jewish wedding tradition, the contract has already been made between him and us. And then the stage two of it is going to be when the bridegroom comes to claim his bride. At the, and, and certainly you and I are going to experience that at the rapture of the church. We're going to be married to him. And then what follows that? Actually, let me read, read to you something. At the rapture of the church. Um, I'll go, just for the sake of time, I'll go there for you, but just uh, write it down or whatever. But I believe this could be, in Matthew chapter 25, this could be that time of when the bridegroom comes to claim his bride at the rapture. Notice what it says, Jesus speaking. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Oil is a symbol of the Spirit of God. But the wise took oil in their vessels. The Holy Spirit in you, you're a Christian then, right? But if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you are not a Christian. It doesn't matter what you do. But the wise took oil in their lamps while the bridegroom was delayed. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose. They trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, said, No lest there not be enough for us and you. But you go, and you go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Wow. Those were the people in church in name only. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ this morning? Are you one of his? Does his spirit indwell in you? Do you know it? Because I believe the spirit of God will testify, will 
make sure that you know that you are a child of God. If you don't know that you're a child of God, please come up after the service. You don't need me. You can pray amongst yourselves. But make sure that you know. And until you know, you pray and say, Lord, I'm I'm in a fog. I don't know. There's no harm. Even after years of professing Christ, if you still have the cloud of, of doubt on your head, what are you doing? Get on your knees. Get on your face. Make it right. Make sure. You must. Why be in jeopardy every hour? And then finally, the third phase is the wedding feast or the wedding supper that we're talking about now that's going to happen when Jesus returns to the earth. We believe that marriage supper will occur sometime after the mess of the whole Armageddon and all that when he sets up his millennial reign somewhere in that time period is the marriage feast of the Lamb, the wedding supper. And perhaps, and this lasts several days in a normal Jewish wedding. In Matthew chapter 22, what does it say? It says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Who's that king? It's God the Father. He arranged a marriage for his son, Jesus, right? And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. And again, he sent out other servants, prophets and teachers, or prophets and uh, other things. Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they went their own ways, one to his farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. We saw that with John the Baptist. But then the king heard about it, and he was furious, and he sent out his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, and those who are invited were not worthy. Therefore... Go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went into the highways and gathered together all that they found, both bad and good. The wedding shall be filled with his guests. But when the king came in and saw, seized the guests, he saw a man there who did not have a wedding garment, a man who did not know him. So he said, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And see, make your calling and election sure today. Know that you're one of his. Why live in jeopardy every hour if you're not completely sure? I'm completely sure. And believe me, it is not because I've done something good. I haven't. He's done everything. All I've done is respond to his love and grace. Isn't that the case with you? Know that you know. And folks, pray until you have that assurance. Because God wants you to have that assurance. And believe me, you need it more than ever today. You need to have that assurance. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy. You're going to need to have the assurance that Jesus loves you and that he has got you in the palm of his hands. Do you have the assurance? You must have the assurance. Why wait in jeopardy every hour? You must know him. And notice in our final verse, it says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. John was so blown away by all of this. And you see this in other times in John's uh, ministry. You see it in, in the very first verse in chapters, uh, chapter 1, verse 16, where 
he is before God, you know, and he's just like, he falls to his knees in worship. It's the only thing he can understand. He's just in the presence of this holy being. And even John here, and this is not Jesus that he's talking about, but he's still so blown away by the beauty of this, this person, whatever is happening, he, he's overwhelmed. It's like involuntary. He just drops to his knees and he starts worshiping. And what, and what does the, the person say to him? We know this is not Jesus because of what he says. He says, see that you do not that. Don't worship me. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have testimony of Jesus. Rather, worship God. That's a good exhortation. One that America needs right now. Worship God. Don't worship any leader. As much as I love our President Trump, and I hope he gets in office for four years, there's no one like Jesus. Pray for our president, by the way. You think spiritual attack for a Christian is, is heavy right now? I've never noticed such intense spiritual attack as I have in the last few months. And he's, I don't even know if he knows the Lord, but let me tell you, he's feeling it. How would you like the whole world against you except for the 75 or 80 million that voted for you? Literally everyone else wants him dead. But Jesus Christ, you can't kill him. He already died once. Once and for all, he died. And he's coming back as a lion. Not as the meek and mild baby Jesus in the, in the manger, cute and cuddly. Oh, he's so cute. No, he's coming back as Aslan. He's going to come back like a lion. We're going to read about it next week. His, on his thigh is written a name that only he knows. And also another name, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Word of God. And he's gonna, his hair is going to be like lightning, his eyes like a flame. <laughs> Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And again, John so blown away. It was sort of natural for him just to fall on his knees. And be completely undone. May that occur in our lives. May we get before him and just be prostrate before him. Say, Lord, you are awesome. I love you. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this passage. Lord, it's a joyful passage. Lord, the, the joy in heaven before you return with your saints to the earth. Lord, how we long to see you face to face. How we long, Lord, for you to, to wrap things up. And while we await for your return, Lord, help us to be brave. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to be courageous. Help us to fight tooth and nail to the very end in prayer and on our knees in the ballot box. Lord, help us to fight that way.
until you return. To you be glory and honor now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.